This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. I want to let you know I'm doing a monthly book club over on Relay, patreon.com slash Relay with my friend Kara Goucher. And that is just one of many exciting things we're doing over on Relay. This is a platform where we have nine content creators putting out high quality podcasts, writing, and a lot of collaborations where we are talking about current events, news, training, and of course, the monthly book club I do with Kara. We also just brought on Laura Thweet to the group, which I'm really excited about. She's always been one of my favorite people to interview and I'm going to be doing a lot of collaborations with her over there. So you can join that community when you go to patreon.com slash relay. It's $9 a month and we are completely transparent and upfront about that. That goes straight to the creators. So that's $1 per creator. And we are having so much fun. It is a community. You are truly involved in the community when you join. Like when we do the book club, it's not just Kara and I talking. It's everybody chiming in and talking together. It's really, really fun. So that's patreon.com slash relay. All right. Well, today on the podcast, I am so excited to share this episode with Olivia Baker. Olivia runs with the Atlanta Track Club sponsored by Adidas. She's an 800 meter runner. And last year in 2022, she made her first world's team. She has a PR of 158 in the 800. And some big news just broke about the Atlanta Track Club. Coaches Amy and Andrew are moving on. And so they are going to be looking for a new coach. And Olivia talks a lot about that in this episode, what those coaches have meant to her and how she feels about this transition period. I was really grateful for her honesty and giving us a peek into the Atlanta Track Club and what her training, her relationships with her coaches and teammates are like. She is coming back from an injury, so make sure you are paying attention because it is gonna be fun to watch her as she gets back into the routine and rocking and rolling with these races. So another part of Olivia's story that we're gonna talk about is that she was accepted to medical school and last year and she decided to defer and we're going to talk about her passion for that as well she also runs the book club for the atlanta track club which is super fun we had a lot to talk about and i know you're going to enjoy getting to know olivia just like i did this episode of the podcast is supported by gooder all right go get yourself some gooder shades seriously they have the best sunglasses they are cute they don't break very easily at all they're functional and they have the best colors. So one of my all-time favorites has always been the breakfast run to Tiffany's. I am loving the Mind the Wage Gap wedge in this really fun blue as well. I just, you can't go wrong with the runway style. So you can go to gooder.com slash another. Use the code another at checkout and that will get you free shipping. And when you support a sponsor of this podcast, that's you supporting this show. So thank you so much. And of course, you can always leave a rating and review, and that's a great way to support the show as well. We give away a pair of Gooder sunglasses every month, so make sure you go leave a rating and review, and you can be entered to win. 
We will be drawing the next winner for those on July 7th. We'll be joining, we'll be uh, drawing the June winner. So you have two weeks to get your rating and review in and you will be entered. It's got to be a review though, because I won't see your name if it's a, just a rating, I don't think. And that's on iTunes. Uh, all right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Olivia Baker. All right. Well, today on All Have Another Podcast, we have Olivia Baker on the show. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Thank you for having me, Lindsay. Okay, listen, I was, um, as I was like going through all your stuff yesterday, I was like, Olivia Baker, Olivia Baker, I've known who you were in the running world forever, but I'm also watching All American right now. <laughs> and I'm like, why does Olivia, why do I feel like I really know Olivia Baker? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why. Do you watch that show? I do not, but interestingly enough, I, at a time when All American was really, really big uh, and being talked about on Twitter, I got tagged in a few posts by people who meant to talk oh, about funny. All American or whoever the character Olivia Baker is on that show. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was, it was very funny. Oh, that's so funny. I don't know what her name in real life is, but um, yeah, I kept thinking that and I'm like, what is this? I'm like... I feel like I really know her and I love that show. I have like two episodes left of the most recent season. So I'm really sad to be saying goodbye to it. But um, yeah, it kept coming to mind. You should watch it. It's cute. I'll have to check it out. All right. So Olivia Baker, not the actress, the 800 meter runner we are <laughs> talking to. Um, tell us about your most recent race at Music City Festival. Yeah. So I ran the 800 at the Music City Track Carnival, not Distance Carnival anymore, Track Carnival. Okay, not festival either, Carnival. Carnival, yes. <laughs> and it was a solid race. You know, coming off of L.A., I was pretty disappointed after that race. I just hadn't run well. Um, one of the challenges I've been dealing with lately is just trying to figure out where exactly my fitness is because uh, this buildup has been a lot different due to my, my foot injury. Mm. Um. So I felt like in my first race in Bermuda, I, I went out a little too slow. Second race in L.A., I went out way too fast, paid for it. And mm. Music City was kind of back to getting in the right direction. You know, I haven't figured it out quite yet, but I, I felt like I, I went out more moderately and had a solid race. Definitely not where I want to be right now but it was a, a very solid race. What's the foot injury? Actually torn posterior tibial tendon. Ooh. Yeah. What has that process looked like? It has been a lot. <laughs> a lot of physical therapy, a lot of cross training. Um, yeah, a, a huge build back. I think the injury happened in indoor season. It was in February. Okay. And... Yeah, I, I cross-trained for about seven weeks after wow. that. Wow. No running at all. No running. Just cross-training, yeah. Wow. Um, it, and then, Say the injury again because you cut out just a little bit. A partially torn posterior tibial tendon in my left foot. Did you feel it when it happened or were, was it a, uh, I need to go get this looked at? It was more on the I need to go get this looked at side. 
Um, I remember I raced in Boston. I ran the 800 indoors in Boston, had a really good race, ran 2 flat 0.7, and then came back about 40 minutes later and ran the 400 in like 55 and just for the for a workout and it was um it wasn't until long after like long after I had cooled down and kind of settled down and was had gone to get lunch and come back to the track to watch and cheer on my teammates that I noticed that my foot had started to hurt when Mm. I was walking and I didn't think that much of it I remember we flew back to Atlanta the next day I even went to long run. I ran 10 miles that Monday morning um, and it was hurting a little bit, but I wasn't all that concerned about it. And then after practice that Wednesday, we had done some 200s uh, and on the cool down, it was just throbbing with pain. And that's kind of when I knew, yeah, it's, Mm. this is something more than just a little ache from run from racing or from the heavy load of the last week or so. Uh, This is actually serious. Wow. So is this your first season of like a big, big injury where you're having to figure out what it looks like coming back and building a new season? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've never had anything this serious. I think the before this, the most serious injury I had faced was in college. I had a stress reaction in my navicular also in that left foot, but that was only like a six week a six week full recovery. I mean, I was back on the ground in with that injury after three weeks. Mm. Um, so nothing quite like what I faced with this injury. Gosh, so frustrating. Okay. So these last two races have given you like a starting point, like, okay, now we're going to build off of this. So what's next? Next, I will be at the New York Grand Prix on June 24th. Okay. How do you feel about that? I'm feeling good. You know, we're putting in some solid training. It's been almost a week since the Music City race, and uh, I felt good about my training this week. And I know we're going to stack a couple more weeks on top of that in the lead-up and then give it another go, see where see where I'm at. And I'm, I'm optimistic. I feel like my the time hasn't shown it yet, mm-hmm. but I feel like my trajectory for being ready by USAs is, is really good. Yeah, I always wonder with big injuries like this, it's like, not that they're not the most frustrating thing in the world, but like it gives you a little bit of a mental reset and a little bit of a like hunger, like I'm ready, I want to take this on. Whereas if you would have kept going straight through from indoors, at some point, do you end up feeling a little burnout? You're certainly not going to feel it now because you're like probably so fired up. Definitely. Uh, I feel like I'm on the other end of the spectrum from last year. Like last year I had a really good year, but I also yeah. ran over 40 races uh, wow. between indoor and outdoor. And it was, it was a lot. And I did feel like at the end of that season, I was starting to experience that burnout. Uh, and this year mm-hmm. I definitely won't. And it's a good year for that because with the Pan Am games in October, you know, in some ways, maybe not getting to run a full indoor season is a Mm. blessing in disguise because I'll definitely have the the energy and the drive to go through a long outdoor season uh, should I make that team. Wow. Um, I want to go to what's happening right now with your situation at Atlanta Track Club, uh, and then we'll dive into some other things. But I'm like, let's just go ahead and go there right now while we're talking about your current season and what's happening 
Um, can you can you share what's going on? Yeah, so I mean, as you all know, it's it's public knowledge now that my coaches Amy and Andrew Begley are parting ways with Atlanta Track Club at the end of this season. Um, you know, as an athlete, it's it's tough because mm. we we love our coaches. Amy and Andrew have been have been really great coaches. You know, I've seen just last year in my first year with them the rapid improvement uh, that I had in the 800 and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough right now, but the club sat us down a little over a week ago and we all had a meeting, all me and all of my teammates, uh, Amy and Andrew were there, our CEO, our club CEO, Rich Kana, and also our high performance director, Eric Heinz were all there and he sat down and just explained to us the decision. He told us, hey, this is why we're, we're parting ways. Um, and I think that I walked away from that meeting feeling like this was a mutual parting and that okay. there is goodwill on both sides. I think that both Amy and Andrew and the track club want to see what's best for us as athletes going forward. And so, yeah, that's, that's really what I would take from it. And I think the one thing that I would want everyone to know about it is that this isn't really like a, a high drama situation. Mm. Um, it's just a mutual parting and um, going forward, both sides want what's best for us. And where does that leave you as far as figuring out what you're doing with your training in the next few weeks or months? Well, the next few months will be will be fine. I'll just be focused on running. Amy and Andrew are, are here through the end of the season, so they'll be coaching okay. me through the end of of this season. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I'll have to figure out what's next. You know, I I don't really know. There's not a whole lot of information out from either side on what is going to happen next. So. Mm. Um, I'll have to make those decisions as I learn more. Okay. So do you think the team, the athletes will have any say in who the coaches will be, the new coaches? Um, the short answer to that question is no. Uh, I think that right now the club wants us as athletes just to be focused on running, uh, focus on making this world team having the best summer that we can racing and leave that side of things to them. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but like my coaches and the, the coach and the club aren't parting ways because of performance at all. Uh, no one thinks that Amy and Andrew aren't capable of bringing athletes uh, to the Olympic level and their track record shows that um, the reasons were more to do with uh philosophical differences uh, regarding the future of the sport and kind of the track club's role in that future um, that had developed over the course of the past year or so and kind of became too big to uh, ignore. And going into an Olympic year, I think the club wanted to move forward in just in a, in a different direction. And so with regards to hiring a new coach, uh, they're going to prioritize finding a coach who can one coach athletes at the Olympic level 
and two is aligned with them more closely philosophically. And so they've, they've told us that that's what they'll be looking for and have just asked us to give them uh, a chance and to let them work it out. And um, I'm willing to do that. Uh, I think that, yeah, as an athlete, honestly, it's not the thing that I want to be thinking about right now, a month outside of USA's. So um, I'm happy to let them do their thing. And then when they do decide on a new coach, they'll, we'll be one of some of the first people to know. Uh, and we'll have to decide from there what's, uh, what's best for our futures. You probably can't get in the weeds too much, but I'm just curious what you mean by philosophical. Yeah. I mean, I think that the view of the sport, like it's, it's professionalism. Okay. You know, I know there've been a lot of, a lot of talk back and forth about the, like how professional of a sport is track and field generally. Mm. Um, and then more specifically Atlanta track clubs role in, well, if it's a, you know, more or less professional sport, what does that look like for the club? Okay. Uh, is kind of where those differences lie. Okay. And I'm sure, you know, I think Amy's going to come on the podcast in a, in a few weeks, maybe months once she figures out what's going on with, with what she's doing and maybe she'll, she could dive into that a little deeper as well. Definitely. I think she could shed more light on that. Yeah. And I encourage you to reach out to uh, our track club CEO, Rich Kana, uh, for okay. comment on that as well, because I'm sure. sure he would have yeah, something to say about that, too. That's a good idea. And in your life with coaches over the years, how much do you are you relying on them versus relying on internal gut? Like, you know, when a coach gives you a workout or a regimen and you're like, Sometimes you got to back up off a little bit. Sometimes you got to like push a little bit more just because you trust your gut. Like where are you at in that journey when it comes to that relationship? Uh, I trust my coaches fully. I mean, one thing about Amy and Andrew is that they are really great communicators. Uh, they're always asking, you know, how are you doing? How did you feel? Like I send them a report after every workout of like, this is how I felt about the workout. This is, you know, of course the, the, technical details of these were the times that I hit um, and all of that. And they always analyze it and sit down and, and really take into account how we're feeling as athletes. So they, they make themselves really easy to trust as coaches because they are so thorough with, with their communication and the way that they put together their workout plans. Mm, that sounds like, really good, like really healthy. So I'm sure that this is a really hard departure for you. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's tough. And, and the timing is hard to going into an Olympic year. Mm -hmm. Um, but this was the, you know, that we're in a sport that operates in Olympic cycles. So this was the best timing for the club if they were going mm. to go ahead and, and move on. It made sense for them to do it now uh, rather than next year so that they can get a running start. Totally. How do you feel about that? Like the Olympics being next year and, you know, you made your first world's team last year, um, which we'll, we'll have to talk about that a little bit, but does making the world's team last year give you some confidence going into an Olympic year? Absolutely. Uh, I feel like I've been knocking on the door for a while now. I mean, mm. since finishing 10th in 2016, 
uh, I've had single-digit finishes at every USA Championships, with the exception of the Olympic mm-hmm. Trials in 2021, from 20, 2021 and 2017 outdoors. But from 2016 all the way through 2023 now, and of course I missed 2023 in, indoors due to the injury, uh, I've been pretty consistently fourth, fifth, sixth, uh, even in 2019 being fourth, but then missing the world standard by two-tenths of a second and then not getting to go on the wild card spot. Uh, mm-hmm. I've just been knocking for so long. Uh, I think that that consistency is going to start to pay off, and we saw that with making a world team indoors, and I think we'll, we'll start to see it again. Uh, going into the Olympic year. Hey friends, a quick break here. Do y'all know how much I love Prevenex? If you are in the market for vitamins or supplements, look no further than Prevenex. They are clinically effective supplements that promote longevity, performance, and everyday health. And here's the thing. It's like, if you're going to put something in your body every single day, you should make sure it's from a reputable company. And I believe so fully in the research done on the products and that they deliver high quality ingredients. So I take their multivitamin every day. I also take their Joint Health Plus every day. I actually just got a new review popped up. The founder, David, sent it over to me because he gets notified when people who use my code uh, leave reviews. And it's always so fun to see that these products are really helping people. Here's a review from a listener of the show, Prevenex is the first protein shake that tastes great and I've been able to incorporate it into my routine. Okay, that's the Nerify Plus that my family uses every day. It's got a great blend of carbs, protein, and fats. And it is such an easy way to grab a quick mini meal after a workout if you're running on to the next thing. So friends, check out their Joint Health Plus, their multivitamins, their Nerify Plus, whatever, whatever you need. They probably have it. They have probiotics. And they also have super bites for kids as well. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER, and that'll save you 15% off your first order. That's Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. All right, friends, back to the show. How do you keep like a, a peaceful mind and a, like a, I'm... I'm still in this. I'm going to stay in this. Like I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking on the door. How do you stay so positive when um, obviously you're there, but it's such a big field of women and man, those 800 meter races, they're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You're in them. We're watching them and we think they're crazy, but um, yeah. How do you stay so fierce? Um, I think that comes with experience. Yeah, I've I've been I have the benefit of having been in these races for years now. I don't think that there are many situations that could surprise me mm. in an 800. I think the race instincts are sharp and we just take it one race at a time. Every race presents a new situation, a new scenario to work through. Uh, and I think that that's a skill that I have been able to hone over the years. Well, that's really exciting. So Tell us how you mentally prepare, like for a race like the trials, the world championships, um, or the, the indoor championships where you made the world's team compared to just like 
the Music City Carnival you just did? Like, what's the difference in your mental preparation? Um, there isn't any really, to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, it's the it's the same thing whether it's a smaller race or or like you said, the World Championships. Um, I try to never let the stage be too big for me to handle mm-hmm. or too small for me to take for granted. You know, I I approach it the same way uh, for every race. And I think that having that routine, not just physically, but mentally, uh, helps me stay, stay steady no matter the stage that I'm on. Mm, I love that. Now, you are a speedy 800 meter runner, right? As opposed to like the endurance 800 meter runner. Yes, that's correct. Okay. I love talking to, talking to these like 800, 1500 meter people, like where do they swing, you know, like down or up. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like training for the 800 as someone who kind of swings to the 400. Yeah. It looks like a good amount of speed endurance work. I mean, well, I'll start with the fall. We all do a lot of base work in the fall. You know, that's putting in long runs, mileage, tempo runs, longer intervals, uh, sometimes on the track, sometimes not on the track. Uh, And I think that it it starts to split off for me when we get into this season. Mm. Um, Whereas the the longer, uh, more distance-based runners will continue to do longer intervals on the track, uh, I start to do more speed endurance work. Um, And sometimes we'll overlap. You know, sometimes I do do the longer stuff and the distance-oriented people do do the speed endurance work as well. I think it's just the the mix of the work uh, tends to be a little different. Like I, I lean more towards that speed endurance work or I have a, a heavier percentage of that. Um, and I think the other difference is the mileage. Uh, I only run about 25 to 30 miles a week. And I know that, you know, some of the, the more distance-based athletes will probably do 40 or 50 or, or maybe yeah. even more than that. That's such a wild difference. Gosh, I think it was year, I think it was maybe 2017. I interviewed Brenda Martinez and I feel like she ran like 60 miles a week or something. I may be misquoting that, but it was just like an insane, do you, are, you're shaking your head like, yeah, she's known for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I figured cause I've seen, I know, hasn't Brenda Martinez run like 15, 20 or 1530 for 5k? Yeah. May, yeah. Maybe so. You, you so have she's to definitely a swinging up, swinging up to the endurance rather than swinging down to the 400. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you have wow. to be putting in some good mileage to be able to, to run a 5k that fast. <laughs> So can you tell me a little bit about the teammates you're training with and uh, who you're doing workouts with? I train alongside a pretty large, solid middle distance group here at Atlanta. We have runners who range all the way from 400, 800, all the way up to kind of 1500, 5K. Uh, For me, I'm more on the 400, 800 end, uh, along with Hannah Seagrave. Um, I know that... Gemma Finch, Allie Wilson, Presley Weems, uh, Rachel Walters, and Sadie Henderson fall more into that 815 range. Uh, Yolanda Garambe is more 1500, 
primarily focused, maybe 5K a little bit too. And then also Emma Grace Hurley works in with us. She's more 5K. You've seen her competing on the roads, maybe even 10K as well. Um, but she works in with us also. And so we have a nice little group of people with strengths ranging all the way across the spectrum uh, that we can work into and out of and off of uh, for different workouts. And it really pulls us all through the range of workouts that we need to do to be good middle distance runners. Um, okay, so let's walk back to your beginnings with running. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood and when you started running? Yes, I started running at eight years old. Um, it was because of really my best friend, actually, who I saw in Music City this weekend, Maya Hinton. Um, we both used to play soccer. Uh, I played a lot of soccer growing up. And I remember when she and some of my other friends moved to track and field, uh, it kind of made me realize that I was only in soccer for the social aspect and not so much <laughs> because I really liked the sport. Uh, and so there was a period of time where I was doing both track and soccer. And then I just moved over to track completely because I liked it more. Uh, and I was enjoying it. I enjoyed the friends that I got to hang out with. Uh, and just being a part of, of Jaguar Track Club. It was the first track club I was a part of. And it was all I remember is fun. Mm. <laughs> we had, I mean... Lots of, of strong racing and, and good relays and, and fast times. But I think the thing that I'll remember remember most from that period of time was the fun that I had with, with my friends, going to AAU Nationals and having pool parties and watching movies in, in each other's mm -hmm. hotel rooms and having sleepovers and things like that. Bus rides where we would sing <laughs> just at the top of our lungs and carpool karaoke um, those are the types of, of things that really kept me with running early on. The fun. Uh, it was just the fun. The fun. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important that that's what we emphasize to kids, <laughs> like the fun over anything else. Um, talk about that though, because you, you mentioned nationals. So you obviously knew you had a gift from a pretty young age how did your parents and coaches and mentors like encourage you to push and try your best, but obviously keep that fun front and center? Uh, they did that by letting me run different events. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm grateful that I didn't have coaches who pushed me to specialize too early. Uh, it became pretty clear early on that my talent was in the 400. Uh, but during that time with Jaguar Track Club and even into high school, I ran everything from the 100 to the two mile. I love uh, it. You ran the two mile? <laughs> yeah, I ran the two mile. Um, wow. It was miserable. But I mean, I, <laughs> I feel like you never see a 400 meter runner running the two mile. Yeah, well, that day, been. yeah, it was at our county championship. And I remember coach wanted me to run the two mile because we were pretty sure that we were going to win the four by four and they didn't need me to run the four by four, but mm. we were hoping to get just one point in the two mile. It's like, if you can just hang on to <laughs> six hundred meter runner <laughs> in this, in this two mile um, or 3,200 in New Jersey. But, uh, uh -huh. and 
I was did you not get it? it. I did not. <laughs> no. Oh. It was a little bit out of my reach. Yeah, I, my range did not extend quite that. Was it far. like your eighth event of the night? <laughs> it was my it was my second event of the day. I had run. It's funny. I'd run the two hundred earlier on, and I remember I stepped off of the track after the two hundred, and my coach was standing right there, and I was like, "So, <laughs> you think you can run this thirty two hundred? And I'm looking at the time, and I'm like, "In in thirty minutes." <laughs> <laughs> uh I'll give it my best and I did. Aww. Um and we didn't I wasn't able to to hang on but it was an experience to say the least. And now you have the story too. That's great. I love it. Um everybody's always scared of the 3200 in in high school. I mean, I I think I ran the mile and I was like I don't think I ever once ran it because it was just sounded so scary to run eight full laps around the track. It was. And the thing that I think I was shocked about the first time I ran the two mile was that the pace isn't that much slower than the mile. Like I, I could beat <laughs> a lot of women, a lot of the girls in my County in the mile, uh-huh. but they would come back on the two mile and, you know, a five minute or like a four fifty six mile could win the mile in my county, but they would come back on the two mile and come through the mile in like five oh seven or five oh eight. Wow! And I'm like I, I just don't know how they, how they did that. Wow, that's crazy. Um, okay, so thirteen state titles in high school. How did you decide that you wanted to go to Stanford? Uh, Stanford had been my dream school for a while. Um, I think since middle school, I had my eyes on, on Stanford. Um, I saw it as the best combination of, of academics and athletics. I knew I wanted to go to a school that was really academically strong. Uh, and I appreciated that Stanford also really valued their athletics as evidenced by their many director's cup championships uh, and national championships that they had won across multiple sports. So it, it just naturally felt like a fit for, for the things that I was looking for in a school. Okay. And so we would be remiss to not mention that you were accepted a med school a couple years ago, or was it just a, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Two years ago, two years ago. Okay. So what did you go to undergrad? What was your under, was it pre-med? Human biology. Human biology. And so then how many years is this gap between like applying to med school, taking the MCAT from when you graduated? It was two years. So, okay. Or, well, I took the MCAT actually in, in 2018. So I took the MCAT right after I graduated. I graduated that June and I just took a 75 day block to study every day uh, after college and, and get myself ready and, and take the MCAT uh, while all of that knowledge was still fresh. Mm. Um, and those scores are good for five years. So if I wanted to apply again, actually, this is the, the last year wow. that I could, but um, or I could without having to retake my tests. Yeah, I took got them some other then things then, going on. Yes, <laughs> definitely got some other things going on. But um, 
yeah, I took my test in 2018. And then when the pandemic hit in 2020, uh, and there was a lot of uncertainty about how long it was going to be and what the future of sports was going to look like, I decided that it would be a good time to at least explore my options and, and apply to med school and at that point decide what I wanted to, to do. And of course, ultimately, I ended up getting into Howard University College of Medicine. Mm-hmm. And initially, I had accepted because I was hopeful that I would make the Olympics in 2021. Mm-hmm. And then it would be a perfect transition off of those Olympics, either into med school in fall of 2021, or to defer a year and run at the world championships in, you know, home world championships in 2022, before going into med school. Uh, neither of those things happened. I did not make the team in 21 or the world team in 22. But uh, so I ended up declining my I had initially deferred and then ended up declining my acceptance uh, to try for the 2024 Olympics and then subsequent 2025 world championships. And uh, so I think that will be the plan as it stands is to run in the Olympics in 2024, apply to med school again, and then plan to enter in the class of 2025 or maybe even 2026 if I were to defer another year. So you have to retake the MCAT. Yes, I will have to retake the MCAT. Um, but like, okay, so I mean, that's still like, you're still planning to do that pretty soon. Yes. Like that is part of the plan. Cause I, what you said, you know, if you had made the Olympic team in the, or the world team, you go straight into it. But like, do you think if you had made those teams though, you would have been on like such a high from making them that you're like, I'm going to do it again. I think so. But I think that the med school system allows for that. I think in in that scenario, it would have been a situation where I enter in 2022 and maybe I am in med school for a year and then I'm able to take a sabbatical uh, to run again and to compete again in 2024 for that Olympic spot uh, before, or even 2024 and 25 before coming back to med school uh, in 26. So I'm, I'm trying to think of other athletes who have like competed at a really high level while in med school. And the person that comes to mind is Marty Heher, who is a, he's a marathoner. Do you, does anybody come to your mind? Um, yeah, I do think of Marty Heher. Uh, I believe Laura Muir was in veterinarian school. Okay. Up until two years ago. Okay. she was performing at a high level while at a very high level while, you know, studying to become a veterinarian, uh, which I'm sure is, is just as rigorous as med school. I didn't know that about her. And wow. then, yeah, Dr. Laura Muir now. And uh, who else? Those are the, yeah, those are the two names that come to mind uh, or are top of mind when it comes to that. Yeah. Like how does that sit with you? Like, Chasing two extremely challenging and go all in sort of things kind of simultaneously. Yeah, well well that's the thing. I'm not chasing them simultaneously. Ah. Uh, yeah, I I'm I applaud Laura and Marty for being able to do that. I don't think that's for me. Okay. Uh, and that's good that you recognize that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, like you said, these are both go all in type of things. So I don't want to, I don't want to walk away from this track career feeling like I left any stone unturned. Mm. So I want to be all in on track. Uh, and then when, when that's done, or like I said, if it means taking a sabbatical for a year, then I want to be all in on med school for that time. And then, you know, whatever field I'm in, I want to be all in on that. Hey friends, a quick break here. I want to thank Gooder for supporting this podcast. These are the best sunglasses out there. They're functional, fashionable, and they have all sorts of fun colors. They have classic colors and styles, and they are affordable. Not only are they affordable, they don't break easy either. They like really stand the test of time. I just throw these suckers in my purse and they survive. I don't know how they do, but they do. They have some really cool new sunglasses out now. I love the I like it like that. These purple sunglasses. I think those are my new favorites. And for listeners of the show, you can get free shipping. The code is another. It's just another. And when you use that code, you get free shipping off your order. So go to gooder.com slash another. Use the code another and that'll get you free shipping. Uh, All right, friends. And Hey, when you support a sponsor of this podcast, that's you supporting this show. We can't do this show without sponsors or without you listeners. Those are two things that are very essential. So thank you if you've ever purchased from a sponsor before. We really appreciate that. And thank you for listening. All right, back to the show. Um, What made you want to become a doctor? Several things. I think that, well, firstly, is just an an interest in human anatomy, like being, being an athlete and simultaneously coming up through school and learning how my body works and is, is able to achieve what it achieves was really fascinating to me. Uh, I also think that I was encouraged because I had a lot of role models in the medical field in my life. I mean, I think my parents made a point of making sure that the doctors that I saw growing up were doctors of color. So I would have those examples, you know, my primary care physician, the dermatologist I worked with growing up. Um, I'm trying to think of what other doctors I saw. My dentist were all, were all um, black doctors. And so I had that example growing up of, of seeing that and feeling like I could do that too. Mm. And, and they were uh, really, really inspirational for me. Dr. Dr. Johnson, my primary care doctor, Dr. Downey. And um, yeah. Uh, I love that. My dentist as well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, as an adult, cause you're, so your parents still live in New Jersey. Yes. Is that still important to you as an adult to go to a doctor who is a person of color? It is, yes. Uh, I definitely do seek out doctors of color, um, especially I went to a dermatologist for the first time in Atlanta. And I, I do think it makes a difference when you work with someone, especially from a skin perspective, who has skin like yours and who, has, who sees it regularly and uh, is good at working with that. So yeah, it definitely meant 
a lot to me to be able to see um, a doctor of color out here. That's awesome. What, what kind of doctor do you want to be? Do you know? I do not for sure. So I, I, I used to talk about growing up, I would talk about, I want to be a neurosurgeon. I've always oh been gosh. fascinated wow. <laughs> by the brain. Uh, but I think that as I got older and have been more exposed to that field, um, one of the things that has kind of turned me off about neurosurgery is that there really aren't that many good outcomes. Uh, mm. You know, a, neurosurgeons save a lot of lives, but oftentimes, you know, people who require surgery in their brains are going to have a long road back to cognitive recovery. And I, I just felt like that was hard um, and kind of sad. And I, I want to work in a field where uh, patients have better outcomes than mm-hmm. neurosurgery. So uh, all of that to say, I'm not quite sure yet. Probably not neurosurgery, but maybe neurology, maybe I could see myself in urgent care or emergency medicine, the type of field where you could really see anything. You get new cases every day. I could also see myself in in general surgery, uh, another field that is growing and that has a plethora of of cases that you could see. So so yeah, I've, I've heard from my classmates who did go on to med school after college that, or that the field really calls you when you start doing your clinical rotations that uh, you don't choose your medical field. It chooses you and that you know pretty clearly uh, when you found it. So I'm hopeful that it will be the same for me. Well, it'll be exciting to see where it, where it lands for you. Um, So you're with Atlantic track club sponsored by Adidas. What does that look like, the sponsorship model there? And is everybody with Atlanta Track Club Adidas? Yes. Okay. Yes. Everybody with Atlanta Track Club is sponsored by Adidas. Um, the interesting thing about Atlanta Track Club in general is that we we have a lot of sponsors. Um, okay. And Adidas is one of them. Adidas is our shoe and apparel sponsor. So... Uh, for me as an athlete, that means that I, I get, um, you know, regular drops of merchandise, tons of merchandise, Adidas Christmas uh, twice a year. Nice. Mm-hmm. It is really nice with, with loads of shoes and, and clothes. And then some of the things we get specifically at Atlanta Track Club branded, like Adidas will send us the clothes or before we even receive them the track club will pull a few items for branding that will have the specific Atlanta track club logo, uh, on them as well. Um, how did you land with the Atlanta track club? Honestly, it came down to Amy and Andrew. I remember after, yeah, I, I had been talking to them about moving to Atlanta actually in 2020 when I was exploring all of my options, like med school, uh, continuing staying in with my group in Texas, moving to another group. I I was looking at all of the options in the midst of the pandemic because, you know, there was just so much uncertainty. Uh, And so I had talked to them then about moving to Atlanta 
before the 2021 season and ultimately decided to stay in Texas. But then after the Olympic trials, uh, I knew that I was, was going to make a change. And I didn't know, again, if that was going to be med school or moving to another group. And I just remember talking to, to Amy and Andrew during that period uh, about Atlanta Track Club, but also just about life in general and getting the sense that they, they wanted me to come to Atlanta Track Club, but they really wanted, they cared about me as a person and they really wanted what was best for me in general, whether that was coming to Atlanta Track Club or not. And I remember talking with them through that process and just trying to figure out uh, what I was going to do. They answered all of my questions and they told me, I think the one of the biggest sticking points was that they told me that they really believed in me. Like they believed that if I came and trained with them, that I could make those improvements that you saw last year and be one of the ones favored to make a team on the day when it, it comes around, those opportunities come. And uh, the the evidence has been in, in my racing. It's it's true. And and yeah, I, I Amy and Andrew were really the, the sticking points that drew me to Atlanta Track Club. Okay, well this um, <laughs> this makes the the them leaving. I mean, I know we already talked about it a little bit, but like you know, just kind of reiterating how big of a deal this is. Yeah, man, we really caught you at like a what's the word I'm looking for? Just like kind of like a Inflection okay point. <laughs> yeah, just like this is this is a really, really big change because truly this is like, you know, this is where you have made those big steps. You know, you made that world team and and they've been such a big part of that. Um, how much will like being with the same teammates though, steady you during the transition? Oh, a ton. Yeah. Um, my teammates mean the world to me and it's been awesome being a part of this, this team. And I know, yeah, we're, we're all in this together, going through it, processing it. You know, we've, we've talked about it amongst ourselves and, you know, we're all encouraging each other, uh, in our, you know, in the same situation, but also in different situations personally, uh, as we all try to navigate, navigate this. But yeah, that is something I'm really grateful for is having my teammates by my side through this. And yeah, I, I guess I didn't say that they were a major draw to Atlanta mm. too, but they were like talking to Allie and Yolanda, um, especially before I came and knowing I would get to train alongside them uh was a big was a big draw too um one of the women that i i coach in the marathon kara she is a big atlanta track club supporter and ambassador and i don't know if it's because i know her so well but it seems like there's not a lot of communities that are this big and connected as atlanta track club yeah, I was going to say, one of the things that I really appreciate about Atlanta Track Club is that connection to the community. Um, throughout my time with this group, I've gotten to work with Kilometer Kids, mm. uh, which has, has been a big part of that outreach. You know, seeing those groups reminds me of Jaguar Track Club oh. that I was a part of yeah. 
when I <laughs> was coming up in the sport and, and getting to talk to the kids about, yeah, like I started this sport just like you are right now with a track club that meets twice or three times a week uh, and, and just runs and prioritizes playing games and having fun while learning the, about running. Uh, and yeah, the, the community has been amazing. I also run Atlanta Track Club's official book club, Runners Who Read. Oh, yes. I, yes, I wanted to bring that up. Okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah. And that's been another connection point to the community that I've really appreciated as well, kind of building this book club from the ground up. And now with over 300 members uh, discussing running books and and also seeing some of them, like they several of them have come out to my, to my races. I, I met a few at the Atlanta city games okay. uh, who, yeah, just are, are really supportive and, and cheer me on um, who, who I've gotten to know from not just a running perspective or, or as an athlete, but also as a person discussing these, these topics that come up in, in those books. Oh, that is so cool. What's the most recent book you guys have read with the book club? We just finished The Longest Race by Kara Goucher. Oh, yeah. What'd you think? I really enjoyed the book. Um, I was shocked by some of the things I read. I won't, no spoilers. Right, right, right. But it was, it was really shocking. Yeah. And we had some serious, deep, serious conversations about that book. Mm. How do you guys choose the books? Um, there's so many that have like very, just came out. <laughs> I know it's, it's been easy lately because yeah. they've just been coming out one after the other. And, uh, a lot of the book club readers will request them. They'll uh-huh. reach out to me and say, Hey, can we read this one next? Or sometimes I'll put up a poll on our Facebook page and say, okay, what do you want to read next? Cause at earlier this year, they were just coming out so quickly. I'm oh like, my we gosh. can only read one book a so month. Many. <laughs> I can't keep up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so many, uh, so this year it, it has been really easy, but oftentimes I will take reader recommendations. I email me. They know that I run this book club and they'll submit their book and say, Hey, would you all be willing oh, to nice. read our book for book club? Uh-huh. And I really enjoy that because oftentimes when the author reaches out to me, it, it makes that connection because at the end of the month, we like to try to set up a zoom conversation with the author. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if you're reaching out to me uh, to read your book, then I can more easily set up this zoom conversation as well. Yeah. Uh, And it's always fun when the author themselves is involved. Uh, We have a couple of authors whose books we've read who are also a part of the book club. And and that has been a fun time. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. Um, Okay. I also have in my notes that do you do the marketing and membership? Uh, kind of. That's my okay. official title. I'm like one of the marketing and membership managers. I think is is like my official job title. Uh, and so I do work in marketing. I work in the marketing department formally, okay. and so I attend all of the marketing meetings and okay. and play a small role in that. But my primary role is, is leading the runners who read book. Club. Oh, I love it. So, so fun. That is so fun. Um, well, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? 
I really want to run the backyard marathon uh, or ultra marathon. Oh, rather. really? One of these like days. Like Big's backyard? Yes. Uh, whichever the one is, I think it's like a little over four mile loop and you're supposed to, you start the loop every hour on the hour and it's just whoever completes the most loops. Oh, yeah. Wins. Yeah, like Courtney DeWalter always does it. I love that. I'm just shocked because you're such a shorter distance runner that you want to do such a big endurance event. Well, I love the concept of it being like a sheer will yeah. type of race. Like I, I couldn't see myself running a mile ultra marathon uh, and the backyard marathon could very well end up being more mileage than that. But yeah. just the idea of the grit and will that it takes to outlast your competitors in that type of setting uh, is just the type of physical and mental challenge that really appeals to me. Um, yeah, I think that it's far different from running an 800, but yeah, I think that it's conceptually similar and that in an 800, at the end of an 800, you're trying to mentally and physically outlast your opponents down the final stretch. And in a much longer distance sense, I think that the backyard ultra captures that and it's it's a bucket list race for me that I want to do at some point after my track career is over I love that you got to get some more like track people to come out and do that with you um I think about that race and I'm like okay I know your strategy probably shifts throughout the race but I'm like better to run like a little bit faster and have more of a break or to go the long way and do more of like a run walk so that you're not like burning out. And I maybe at different phases of, of the day, you days, <laughs> you change strategy. Um, but I'm sure there's benefits to both. Yeah. I mean, I, the way I think about it is slower during the day uh, mm. because you're awake. And then in the evening, in the nighttime hours or when you want to run faster, and then try to prioritize getting in as much sleep as you can after yeah, each circuit. Yeah, get like circuit. a 20-minute nap. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, it's just so quick, though. Only one hour to do the four miles. Yeah, I'm sure after 10 or 15 of those, it starts to get. <laughs> yeah. I was not really expecting quick. that answer at all. Uh, okay, so book club. Are you So are you reading outside of the book club? Like, are you reading non-reading books? I do, yeah. Twice a year or... Not during book club, but twice a year we take a okay. month off, uh, which works out well for me from a running perspective. Uh, we usually do a summer break and a winter break. So we'll take uh, June off, which is this month, is our actually our off month. And usually I'll read something else during that month. And we also take December off. So what's your best, most recent non-running book? Most recent non-running book? Last December, I read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And... Such a good book. Really, really held me the whole time. Great message. Uh, I feel like I still hold quotes from that book in my mind um, because I really enjoyed it. You look like you've read it also. Yeah, I did. I loved it. It's been a little bit. It's probably been a year and a half since I read it. But I rem that's one of those books that I got like one chapter in and I was like, I'm in. Like I just it was like. Some of it was sad, but like it was like peaceful almost. 
yeah, I re I raved about that book when I read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I understand all of the hype. I remember around this time last year was getting a lot of hype. And I was like, Ooh, this is this is going to be my next off month book. I can't wait. Uh, yes. And it lived up to it. It was definitely a great book. One of those books where you're like, sad when it's over. And you're like, how am I going to fall in love with another book as much as I loved this book? Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. Who's someone fun, motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Well, I love Formula One racing. Okay. So I'm going to go with, I would love to get coffee or tea or hot chocolate in my case uh, with Lewis Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. Seven-time world champion Formula One racer for Mercedes. Nice. Um, and the, I believe the first black Formula One driver uh, definitely to achieve that level of success. Amazing. So, yeah, I, I would love to sit down. Also, if you've seen his, his Instagram, he's got... No, I'm going to, though. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a fun personality as well okay um okay. he's a he strikes me as a very deep thinking guy uh and I would love to pick his brain about racing and a lot of other topics wasn't there like a formula one show on Netflix or something yes drive to survive okay um who is the other runner that Val Val Constein she is very into this too when I interviewed her and she's the one that told me about this Netflix. Is it Netflix? Yes. Series. Okay. Is that what got you hooked or have you always been a fan? It is. That's what got me hooked. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to watch this. It's good. It's, I watched the first three seasons of drive to survive before starting to watch formula one like the actual races live you're like you're, yeah you're like into the races now yes now i'm into the races now i watch every every sunday that they're on oh my god i'm always watching my dad into it so we'll we'll text back and forth and call and be like did you see what happened with mercedes have you checked the recent news uh we're both team mercedes fans okay uh yeah love it so much um okay what is your last message to leave with our audience my last message to leave with the audience is to tell your loved ones that make sure that your loved ones know that they are loved. Mm. Uh, life is too short to not tell people that you love them uh, and let them know how you feel. Thank you, Olivia. Yeah, thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Olivia, for coming on the podcast. You all can find Olivia on Instagram. She is obaker64 over there. You can find me personally. I am lindsayhine626 on Instagram, at lindsayhine on Twitter. And y'all, my Facebook page got hacked, my personal page. So I haven't been on our group in a while. Um, but we do have a Facebook group. It's called All Have Another Podcast. That is wonderful, and I'm going to pop in there again soon when I get that sorted out. Uh, all right, friends, learn more about this show and all the shows in the Sandy Boy Network when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. You can check out the show notes over there and get all the links to our sponsors, Gooder and Prevenex today. 
the best sunglasses, the best protein powder, the best joint supplement, and the best supporters of this podcast. We are fortunate to have them, and I hope that you will check out all the good stuff they're doing. Gooder.com slash another and Prevenex.com. You can use the code another for 15% off your order with Prevenex. Have a great rest of your day and we'll see you next week on I'll Have Another.